Hello and welcome to episode number 38 of the At YouTube podcast, talking all things U2, including new album news, tour dates, community discussions from the staff of At U2, and maybe even new song news and new U2 40 news. Uh, for this episode, we are going to be doing the, uh, the album that we debated not doing originally, but due to popular demand and anger, we are <laughs> doing Under a Blood Red Sky. But for this episode, I've got uh, Kenny back with us. Kenny, hello. Hi there, how are you doing? I'm well. Where are you coming to us from in the world? This uh, I'm coming from, uh, well, I was going to say sunny Scotland, but it's actually dark outside. So it is. Um, we did have summer yesterday. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Summer's over. <laughs> so, so, summer was came and went yesterday. So right. it is. So. <laughs> and Sherry's back from, uh, I was going to say, I mentioned Kenny was on October, the October podcast, uh, the October album. Sherry's back from her boy, exile as it were hey 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 hey! i'm the kind of trouble that you enjoy <laughs> all right and so we are like i said we're going to be discussing uh under a blood red sky in this ongoing series of album by album uh <laughs> time filler <laughs> until we wait for a new album news which is basically what under blood red sky was right there we go it's appropriate so yeah. uh first a bit of miscellaneous updates and news and stuff just in case you're not obsessively re- refreshing at youtube.com like you should be uh, first off, thanks to uh, at four o at four o at four o u x on Twitter. Yesterday, I was driving for about eight hours, and they tweeted at me and said, "Just try to pronounce my nickname out loud for eight hours. That'll help you stay awake." Which it did. So thank you, <laughs> and thanks to for that uh, caring tweet. And then also, um, like we said, uh, a little song dropped over the weekend. Um, of course, it never fails when you're away from computers and in a slow internet area. All of a sudden, new album or new music happens, and by the time you get around to it, it's gone and been removed by lawyers already. <laughs> but uh, you guys, I'm sure, heard it over the weekend. What did you think of the, the collaboration? Is it, do you say Kygo? Is, that, is there some DJ yeah. Kygo? I don't know. We're too old to yeah. know how to say these things. He's basically this, this generation's Moby. There you go. A Norwegian DJ and producer debuted The Best Thing, a new collaboration with U2 at the Cloud9 Festival in his hometown of Bergen, Norway. Well, I I, I led the entire uh, uh, first part of my OTR column about it. And by the time it published a few hours later, all the online videos started being taken down from the uh, RIAA uh, going after people to request that they get taken down. So perhaps DJ Kygo did not have permission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some speculation that maybe he wasn't supposed to premiere it around the world. <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect when you've got tens of thousands of people at a festival? You know it's going to get online somehow. Yeah. That's what is boggling my mind right now. It's either you... You ride the viral wave of getting stuff out there and letting the fans do all the promotion for you and all of that stuff, or just don't put something out there. You know what people are going to do. Yeah. So you know this is this is turning into a a, a pattern. So if you two really want to have a social media presence and 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 have that viral quality, they have to let it actually happen. So I don't know um, which which uh, uh, entity uh, it was who raised a stink about it, but um, it's going to make for a very interesting fall because people are now going to start to be sheepish about sharing stuff. 
Yeah. Do you think that, I don't know. We'll see, I guess it, it seems like yeah, the the idea that you two can somehow put this back in a box. I, I'm I'm going with the assumption that it was um, who is it? Not principal, but the one above Live Nation. Or anyways, no, that's that's a touring promotion. Anyways, somebody higher up than actually like Bono obviously is worried about this. Um, I'm guessing, but like the idea that you can put it back in the box after it's been out there like this is kind of yeah, because it because it wasn't commercially available. And yeah. and it wasn't on the band's own terms, I believe, is probably part of the problem. Yeah. Um, either that or they just wanted to uh, 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 do a little test of uh, what what could happen or what yeah. what people liked as a as little uh, 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 tester. And okay, they like it now. Quickly, take it down. <laughs> it, it it could also be. I mean, I was thinking as well. I mean that that was the beach the beach house clip, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. So it, so, so maybe they thought oh, you know it's already out there. Um, I I don't, I don't think it's as uh, I, I think you're right. I think um, what am I trying to say? I don't think it's contrived at all. I think it was totally meant. I think it's just a bit of a stunt. Yeah, to be the beach clips that was outside of Bono's private residence. So I could understand why people would be a little upset about that. However. Uh, uh, if anybody knew the back history about the beach clips, which Matt wrote about in his OTR column a couple weeks ago, you know that that is normally a signal to say uh, the new stuff is coming. You know, I feel comfortable enough to be uh, cranking it at at uh, uh, Spinal Taps eleven. You know, so the entirety of the south of France can hear it. So, what do you expect? However, that is a private residence. In this particular case, it's at a public festival. Yeah. With thousands and thousands and thousands of people in attendance, so so there's a slight difference. Um, the music was the same, lyrics were slightly different between the beach clips from a few weeks ago and the actual performance. So I can understand one, the other one. There there had to be permissions that were not there, um, um, and it will be interesting to see what happens over the fall. That's all I have to th- say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Fam- or not famously, infamously or whatever, I guess, uh, U2 fan site, U2 IT and on Facebook saw their entire Facebook group was deleted because they posted to it. So it's, it's not just that they're going after YouTube and, you know, trying to pull out videos there. They're going literally everywhere and, and sort of, uh, blazing a big path of destruction almost in terms of, the fans uh, also getting hit by this in a big way. And so, uh, which is really too bad. And hopefully that, I don't know if it has been resolved yet, but hopefully it can be resolved soon if, uh, if not. Um, so um, there's an article on U2songs.com as well, which we'll link to that has a bit more in, info on it and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, so, they, were, they were the ones who, um, who, fir- who first broke it. Yeah, via the Norwegian story that sort of tipped them off, obviously, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, thousands of people in attendance. You can't sort of... Hope it's going to just stay stay where it is. Maybe ten years ago that worked, but uh, although I do have to say, so back in January I went to see Garth Brooks in Worcester, and um, I didn't realize at the time that he does not like it if you put up uh, 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 parts of his performance on YouTube, and my video was uh, within twenty four hours uh, uh, cease and desisted. <laughs> And all of that other stuff. Now, meanwhile, I've got 15-second clips all over Instagram. But if it's a whole song, 
they really didn't take too kindly to that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it varies artist to artist. Um, and, uh, um, U2 hasn't been, um, as a, as a, uh, as an artist that upset about stuff like that. Um, we know that when material leaked of Madonna's before she wanted it out, um, Maverick went after people uh, uh, very quickly uh, with the cease and desist. So I have to wonder if in this particular case uh, that's happening because the single is not officially out yet. And if and we don't even know if that is truly the single, right. but I would think that it would be. Yeah, that's the assumption or that a lot of people are jumping to is that this is going to be the single, which I mean, does make sense that it would be if it's the first new music in a while that we're hearing from you two that they wouldn't just pop it on it like a collaboration and that would be sort of the way that it goes but um yeah anyways I don't, did, kenny did you hear the song do you what are your thoughts on this song uh, do you know i didn't hear it i i, I this is going to sound a bit weird i kind of listened to it but i didn't listen to it um partly because it's a remix i, I i'm not a big lover of that side of u2 so all that kind of perfecto stuff they did during zoo tv etc right. it was all right and it didn't really particularly ring my bell um however I, you know that said, of course, I did listen to it, um, and so uh, I thought Bono's vocals were sounding really good, um, and there's some really kind of great melodies in there. The, the problem is you couldn't tell, well, in my head, I couldn't tell completely it was a U2 song because of all the, the remix stuff that goes all around with it. So I'll reserve judgment, I think. But from what I heard, I mean, certainly, as I say, he, he was sounding great on it, actually, I thought. so. Yeah, that's what I thought, too, is vocal-wise, it sounded really good. Um, but yeah, unfortunately we, due to obvious reasons, we will not be playing any samples or otherwise linking to it or, um, even mentioning it. I don't even know what we just talked about. So if you're from, it's just like fight club. Yeah. We didn't talk about anything. So there you go. We'll stay, we're staying far away from that one. (laughs) Um, Kenny, you have a bit of an update for the U240 event happening in Dublin or yeah. Yeah, it was just, uh, I mean, obviously it's been sold out for a wee while. It's on September the 24th. But it was just to kind of direct people to the fact that uh, the Joshua Tree band that's going to be playing there are actually um, asking U2 fans, I suppose those that are attending, but even those that are not, to help choose uh, the set list. So they've listed 15 songs that uh, U2 don't really play that often these days. Uh, and giving everyone a, a chance uh, to have a go um, at uh, voting voting uh, for them to see what they're going to play. And as an aside as well, as a, a I guess as a special gesture as well, they're going to play Acrobat, which is a kind of at U2 staff pick, which which should be really interesting. I think it should be. But anyway, just to direct people there, please vote. Uh, I'd be interested to see what uh, everybody uh, would like to hear. Um, but, you know, uh, 11 o'clock TikTok would be a really good idea, just as a wee bit of a steer for anyone that's listening. Just a little plug there, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now, leading is uh, the sort of homecoming is 16% of the votes, but uh, 11 o'clock is at 8, 8%. So, Kenny, you might want to find a few friends and uh, start stuffing so. the ballots. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was going to mention there was no Acrobat on there, but obviously you're you're saying that yeah, and it's written there they're going to play Acrobat as a special staff pick. So finally, people can stop asking when the Joshua Tree is going to play Acrobat. <laughs> exactly. At least not, they can still keep asking about you two to play it. But um, so if you're not able to make it to Dublin because the tickets are sold out, out, out 
my little Canadian accent slipped in there. Um, or, or maybe it's too expensive to fly over to Dublin. You're wanting to maybe also connect with other folks uh, with U240 events. We've got one happening as well in Cleveland, September 24th and 25th. I'm going to be there. Not that that's the whole reason to come. <laughs> Sherry's going to be there. Sherry, do you have some more details you want to spill? But that should totally be the reason to come. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we have partnered with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They've been more than generous with uh, working with us uh, for this fantastic weekend. Um, they're actually putting the fan and fantastic um, wristbands are going to be $40 for the whole weekend. So that's a, um, that's, that's at a discount. Um, we are going to have some YouTube related uh, um, activities going on. Uh, there's going to be a, a uh, movie fest that's going to be happening within uh, the theater there. So imagine, you know, the world's best uh, 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 audio um, in your living room and that's what it's going to be like. So that'll be great. I believe we're going to be doing some live podcasting while we're there as well. We're going to have some, um, contests and, and, and prizes. Um, Beth Nabby and, and Chris LeClaire are bringing up the, um, um, YouTube tattoo project, um, materials and, and they're going to have, um, a display there. Uh, and there's a lot more that's still in the works, and this is so unlike us to have so many details coming together at the last minute. But we have so many moving pieces right now, and we just want to have everything confirmed before we uh, uh, finalize everything. But I am happy to say that we will have on that Saturday night, the 24th, a 9.30 p.m. showing of Rattle and Hum in an actual movie theater. And for me, that's probably the most exciting part of the whole weekend because I've never seen Rattle and Hum in the movie theater. Um, so that's been on my YouTube bucket list and I'll be able to finally uh, cross that one off. But um, um, all of the ticketing information, all of that, we are uh, finalizing. And as soon as we have it, we will have it up on um, on the main website uh, and through all of our social media outlets. We will plug that as 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 loud and and as fast as we can yeah understandably people are curious and and probably getting a little impatient trying to figure things out and make plans and stuff and we appreciate that for sure and um and know that we want to tell you as soon as we can confirm it and not wanting to promise something that you know doesn't happen or whatever and and have you be disappointed that you're paid for a flight or whatever uh and to arrive and, and not have but it's going to be but it's still going to be, be. A, f- a full day yeah. on that saturday at the rock hall then go off, get dinner in the city, then join up with us at 9.30 for the film. And then once again, all day Sunday with some different things. We're going to try to have different uh, movies for the movie fest at, at the Rock Hall on Saturday and Sunday. So there won't be a lot of overlap with that to give a fresh weekend. Um, but it's going to be an exciting, fun as I said, fantastic weekend. And I can't wait to celebrate 40 years of the Larry Mullen band. <laughs> Cause it's not you two people. <laughs> you two formed in 78. <laughs> well, we can have that. That maybe there'll be one debate, one, one fight that's settled in the parking lot there. Anyways, <laughs> rock hall of fame. Fisticuffs. Yeah. One way to bring, get some publicity for the event is to have a fight in the parking lot. No, um, <laughs> And yes, we'll be hoping to do it. We're hoping to do a technology permitting, definitely a, a live podcast there and hopefully even live streaming it. I mean, obviously with Periscope, et cetera, we won't be issuing cease and desist to folks who decide to live stream our, 
<laughs> podcast discussion that may happen uh, at, from the Rock Hall of Fame and stuff. And uh, and yeah, just looking forward to putting some faces to all the names and tweets, Twitters and and listeners and the podcast and the chat room and stuff and everybody else that comes out. I have never met most of, I've never met any of these people before in reality, so in real life. So um, I'm hoping that they're all um, actual people. And we will. <laughs> and unfortunately, I won't be able to get it over to Dublin, but I, it's, I can't wait to hear and see the party that they're going to have as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, lots happening. It should be good. Look forward to it. And speaking of Kelly Eddington, the, uh, her U240 coloring book sheet just was released and is available. It's for free off of at u2.com, right? I yes. understand it's free. That's awesome. So, um, if nothing else, it's worth, even if you're not a coloring type person, just to check out her artwork uh, is a great start. But yeah, print them off, color them, bring them to U240 and show them to her, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. It'd be fun to do. And uh, uh, yeah, it's a great little adult coloring book or kid coloring book or any person in between coloring book that you can print off as a U2 fan. Although there are some adult themed pages in there. So um, uh your mileage may may Probably. vary on how much you want your kids to color them. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, Actung Baby cover album. I don't imagine she went to that. <laughs> and detail. the discotheque picture where uh, Larry's giving a middle finger. So. Right. <laughs> There you go. All right, let's move on to the show. But uh, I just want to quickly sh- mention uh, Mary, uh, t- sorry, to the inbox portion of our show. The, uh, Mary had emailed you, Sherry. And just uh, in a previous episode, I'd mentioned uh, Spotify playlists and things that uh, with YouTube s- sort of collections and things like that. And uh, and she had mentioned um, she's got a bunch of them at putting in either Spotify form. So Edge's playlist was put on Apple Music and she or somebody's made a, 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 a Spotify version. So if you're on Spotify and you want to listen to them, and there's a whole bunch of uh, U2 and Innocence and Experience pre-show playlists, the pre-show European leg, the pre-show playlist albums, Adam's playlist that he put out on Zoo Radio and XFM and Edge and Larry's Zoo Radio playlist from back in the day and Bono and Edge's favorite songs, the 21, 2011 playlist, etc. All sort of collecting different stuff uh, from U2 on Spotify. So those will all be linked in the show notes as well. Uh, So you can check those out if you're looking for some other U2-related material to listen to while you're waiting for um, either Best Thing or (laughs) new U2 music to hit your streaming playlist service of choice. Thanks, Mary. Yeah. And if you've got some other U- playlist connected to U2 that you want us to highlight, just send in a tweet, ask at U2, hashtag ask at U2, and uh, tweet that at us, and we will collect that in a future episode, mention it, and throw it in the show notes. Uh, anything like that, fan stuff that you've put together, if it's on the web somewhere and you want, to, want us to mention it or something like that, we'll do our best anyways. Obviously, if there's a huge flood of stuff, we'll <laughs> we'll uh, slowly mention it, but... <laughs> um, just a couple of tweets that came in uh, from at TJU2. I've really been enjoying the latest at U2 podcast. Thank you very much. And at Sharf, I said, I'm so enjoying your album by album U2 podcast. Great idea. So thank you folks for listening. And uh, in lieu of that, let's uh, not spend another waste another two hours on other stuff so that or make this podcast to our podcast and get to the actual album. So we're, if you're new to this premise, we're talking album by album from boy to songs of innocence uh at least at this point and started all back on episode number 34 which you can find it if you visit goodstuff.fm slash atu2 slash 34 with the boy 
uh, album discussion. And for this episode, we're talking about Under a Blood Red Sky, which is, of course, their live recording. And uh, as as some may know and others may not, I I know I, I remember learning this, but I don't remember uh, sort of thinking it as I listened to it. I still think of it as the album recorded live at Red Rocks because that's what it says on the cover. Uh, but apparently I've been lied to all these years and some of the recordings are not actually from Red Rocks. We're talking the album version, not the movie, of course, the video. Um, but I don't know, Sherry, do you want to... <laughs> spill the beans for somebody a spoiler i guess warning that if they're <laughs> if this crushes them the way it crushed me <laughs> well you know the the album itself came out uh november 21st and 22nd back in 1983 and it was supposed to be the uh official um uh way to celebrate the boy october war era the band was was looking to move on to to do other things so you know this was designed to um to uh, uh put a period at the end of that particular sentence so to speak so uh what ended up happening was at red rocks um uh it rained and not a lot of people came out um and steve lily white had had uh, done some of the production on it but when um when uh, uh, the other producers uh, took a took a listen, they didn't like what they heard. So what they ended up doing was uh, putting together a um, a, uh, a a mishmash of uh, tracks where um, most of the tracks were taken from um, from a show in St. Gorshausen, Germany on August 20th. Um, another track came from Boston uh, on May 6th. Uh, and, and only um, Party Girl and uh, Gloria were from the original um, Red Rocks performance. So uh, uh, this is a... a uh, 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 a mini album, um, a mini EP, or or whatever, uh, just to give you a little t- taster of what U2 Live is all about. Seeing as this is only the second official um, U2 recording of any of their live material, of uh, the first one was the um, um, extended single U2 ROK that came out of the Paradise in in Boston um, uh, a few years earlier. And it was really also designed for the people who had heard about this band, you know, and how good they are live. And, and if you haven't heard anything from them, uh, it was a very inexpensive way to, um, to have an entry point into uh, what U2 was all about. So um, for, for those who, who joined in far later, uh, there was a disappointment because you always equate Under Blood Red Sky as being from Colorado because of the, um, because of the concert video and that the accompanying album was from that. Um, but yeah, that's not the case. Um, um, and, and, uh, f- there's a lot of really great in-depth information about the album over at U2 songs. They've, they've, um, they've given an exhaustive, uh, uh explanation of all the, um, um, behind the scenes and, and, uh, um, um, issues that came up with the recording and with the release of the album. So I would direct people there and not to your typical Wikipedia. U2 songs is, um, 
is uh, where you should go to uh, find out all that you've ever wanted to know and more about Under a Blood Red Sky. Yeah, I'm glad you had to pronounce the name in Germany, first of all. Just got that one out of the way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Exactly. I know for me, I was saying before we start recording, the the album as a whole, I you had mentioned in Slack asking, like sort of assuming, are we talking about the album and not the concert video? And in my mind, just, you know, like I know they have the concert video, obviously, but in my mind, it's just always, I just always associate it with uh, the record or CD or, or collection of MP3s, whatever it is. Um, and don't even think of the concert video as like a thing. I have it just hasn't been on my radar enough as a thing to reference or whatever. I guess. Um, uh, but Kenny, were you a big fan of the the album when it was released? Uh, absolutely, um, for a whole variety of reasons. Um, I, I love the album cover. Um, that kind of sort of silhouette, and I think that I believe that was taken at Red Rocks. That that image uh, of Bono uh, holding on to the. Uh, the white flag, and and it's kind of like that one plus actually rattle and hum. The kind of sort of silhouetted image is something I I just think they do really really well. So that that was a bit of an attraction, uh, if I'm honest. But uh, musically, yeah, it just kind of um, it confirmed my uh, my thirst for U2 live. Um, I think I've said it before on on this podcast elsewhere that. Um, I think that's live is where they're best, and I know oh, that's probably a bit of a cliche, actually, maybe in in, in U two world, uh, but it's just a fantastic insight into the band, uh, and uh, and a wee bit like uh, I have to say, I do kind of associate it with um, with the video because I did actually have the VHS video before I had the, the DVD, um, and that was you know kind of sort of fairly at that time that was kind of a big uh, a big deal actually, so it was. Uh, so you know when I do listen to the album, I, I do reflect on the video, but I do like the, the the album for the sake of 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 the album because I think it's a a, a fantastic uh, a fantastic way they captured the band live uh, and the energy and enthusiasm on on there from the band is just the stuff that really makes me tick about you two. So um, so yeah, love it, absolutely love it. Yeah, it's often, I mean, less so these days with obviously, like we've talked about many times, you know, Periscope, et cetera, live streaming of a band is not really a big deal anymore. And and sort of seeing a band live uh, in person is still a big deal, but like the, for the band to be able to get word out there of like, this is what we're like live, et cetera, is much easier these days back then, you know, especially it was just like, you had no idea. Unique. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And a concert, a live concert album of some sort is kind of like the for many people who, especially a band like you two, who wouldn't necessarily play every single little club along the way, many uh, in the entire world, uh, many people, it's their first opportunity to ever hear you two live. And, um, you know, you, like Sherry mentioned, the U2 rock album that was out, but definitely wouldn't have had the reach that, you know, Under a Blood Red Sky obviously did. Um, and sort of gives the fans, I think, a, an opportunity to hear themselves reflected in a way too that uh, a studio album obviously doesn't do. And, and fans get to sort of, hear that there's other people like them in a sense that are you know seeing this band loving this band it's it, the like you said kenny the the love of the music is warranted and and justified by the fact that there's other uh folks screaming like nuts or whatever when they start certain songs and things like that uh, and yeah just kind of yeah helps i think also as well i mean and i know we'll kind of pick up as we go through the, the individual songs and stuff like that but i actually think a lot of the root of uh, some of these songs still comes out uh, when they play live today, 
you know, if I think about some of the whales, or the, the whales, the whale, that, the Bono whale at the beginning of New Year's Day, and, you know, this song is, is, is not a rebel song and all that sort of stuff. So it kind of consolidated some, I guess, uh, well, I guess U2 history, I suppose, if you want as well. So I think it's kind of special in that sense, but mm-hmm. I just think it's great hearing them live. I just, I, I love them live. And I know it's produced and mixed and all that kind of sort of stuff, but it sounds great to me. Yeah. And it was really important to get that audience sound to come through. That was one of the, of of the key things about the album, and also was part of the reason why it went through um, a few different incarnations. Was just because they wanted to have that audience mix come through. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. So you can actually hear because it is a tough balance of like too much screaming and high pitched EQ'd high kind of sounds that grates on people if you're listening to a live album too much, but or if it's in there too much, but then uh but if it's not enough then it sounds like you're just playing in an empty room or whatever and and uh yeah, it doesn't have that desired effect of saying like, hey, we actually, you know, warrant the the crowds and the screaming and the <laughs> et cetera. So um all right. Well let's let's jump right into um the the album uh the song by song discussion and uh we'll play a little sample of each before we get into it but first up is gloria Kenny, you want to take the lead on Gloria on your thoughts? Yeah, I, 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 some of you might know I quite like the album October. Um, so uh, obviously it's a personal favourite of mine. But the reason I I love this song on this album because of exactly that, that segment you played, uh, Chris, actually, because... Um, the energy that comes through in that is is that's the stuff that I loved about you two in, in the eighties. Now I'm not saying they're not energetic now; they're obviously slightly older and all that kind of sort of stuff. Uh, but it was a bit more, uh, it was less polished. Um, it was a bit more um, uncoordinated, and you know, Bono wasn't very good at dancing and all that kind of sort of stuff. But the energy that comes through on that track, um, I think, is absolutely fantastic. And it's captured in that sort of first sort of 20 seconds, 30 seconds segment. Uh, I mean, Larry's drums are fantastic. You know, they absolutely boom. Uh, and then you just feel the energy of Bono kicking in, the Edge kicking in, Adam kicking in. Um, and it's just, uh, it's fantastic. And actually, I mean, I loved seeing Gloria uh, again on uh, the Innocent Experience tour because I actually thought they went back to those kind of energy levels at that age when they played that, um, they kind of almost got into that kind of groove of being slightly, uh, slightly unprofessional. I mean, it's all got very professional now, and it's all very slick. Uh, and it's part of the reason why I liked you two. Then was they weren't very slick, I guess, if you want from mm-hmm. a performance perspective. Uh, but absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's just oh, 
that, that that first 20 seconds 30 seconds is just mind-blowing i think love it yeah it's a it's very raw and uh, uh and i would guess i remember my guitar teacher complaining a bit about i think i've mentioned this before too but complaining about larry's like he's definitely got enthusiasm but isn't necessarily at, at the time anyways wasn't necessarily always great at keeping the precise tempo the way a, a nerdy anal guitar teacher would want it to be <laughs> but i think that's like you're saying it's it's more about the energy and the enthusiasm for the the song in that case or the or the concert or whatever at a larger scale that comes across and why you know you don't need necessarily precise uh, metronome level <laughs> quality on the drums or whatever um to to get the energy across on a song like that so how about you sari yeah. Yeah, the the um, um, I thought that it was a, a a surprise to lead the um, live album off with that. Um, you know, th- thinking back when it was first released, you had an A side and a B side. There was no uh, a playing it all the way through. So so to not only have a non-war track leading off the album but to have no war tracks at all to not have the the uh enthusiasm of a sunday bloody sunday to um to lead it off i i i was kind of taken by what the uh um by what the track was because for me um i picked up on u2 right around rattle and hum and i started uh, my my journey going backwards. So I hadn't heard Boy October or War before I heard Under Blood Red Sky. I was going backwards. And I was sort of using Under Blood Red Sky to um, determine if I should buy Boy October or War. Um, so the more that I was uh, finding out about the album, like, oh, this was from the war tour, I expected there to be more war-related tracks on it <laughs> right yeah so um so so then i'm going gloria what album is that off of because <laughs> back in the day we you know there was no internet <laughs> we we had to f- sort of figure it out so so um um that's what i thought it's like hey that's a different song i wonder what album that one's off of yeah yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because just in terms of going a bit sort of bigger picture, finding the album for me too coming from newer release and, and working backwards, um, there's definitely like the mythology of 40 at that point already was well established and sort of in, in U2's uh, history or whatever as a song that they end every concert with or whatever is what I was told anyways. And and so then it was kind of was that sort of working backwards from 40 in a sense for me um, on at the end of the track or at the end of the album. But um but yeah, it's a it's an interesting way to sort of look at it as someone coming from the future, almost and working backwards, as it were, back to the future. All right, uh, track number two is unless Kenny, did you you were, I maybe cut you off? Did you have something else you want to say about Gloria? No, no, I, I think I mean that's probably actually fair. I hadn't even thought about it actually in that sense. The the way Sherry's talking about it, um, for me, it kind of fits actually. Because um, I suppose it was a, a live album about you too, albeit the fact that we're using it to promote something else. Uh, but yeah, I can kind of see that. Actually, I hadn't really thought about it in that sense. But as I say, that first 20, 30 seconds, that <laughs> makes up for it all, you know? Yeah. All right, talk number two is 11 o'clock TikTok. <laughs>
it's <laughs> like on other albums uh, or other podcast episodes anyways all of a sudden i catch myself just listening to the song and not remembering that we're <laughs> going back into a podcast actually to talk about this and just enjoying the music but um hopefully you at homer as you're listening are also that way and that's kind of what we're uh, one sort of side project of this is kind of revisiting some older music maybe to some of you and uh, and encouraging you to go back and listen and are being reminded of some of the good stuff that is out there that you haven't maybe listened to as much and want to go back and check out so anyways um 11 o'clock click talk 11 o'clock TikTok. <laughs> uh can you uh, some thoughts on this one yeah I, I, there's a couple of things uh one's a real nerdy thing um, which we'll come on to in a wee second. But I think for me, um, you two have got a bit of a history of taking songs that they've recorded, you know, uh, in the studio. Um, and when they actually play them a lot, play them live, um, it makes the song come alive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for, from my perspective, uh, it improves the song vastly um, compared to what they've managed to capture. Now, the, the single version of this song, I enjoy. Um, I think it's a great track. Um, but particularly the way it's captured on Under a Blood Red Sky, um, I think um, I think really enhances uh, the song from the from the release. And I guess it just kind of all it does is compound this this thing about U two and how they how they transform music uh, live uh, and why they're really in my mind the best live band out there, uh, just in terms of how they uh, convert that stuff. The other thing for me, um, and this is kind of nerdy, and I actually took a note of this before I I, I came on because I thought there might be some other sad people quite like this as well. Um, but from the two minute forty four mark to the three minute twenty two mark, when they when when Edge starts his solo, um, it's just it, it it really competes with that first twenty thirty seconds of Gloria. Um, it's absolutely I, I love it. It's it's I think it's one of Edge's best solos captured. Um, and you know if there's anybody out there, you know, go and take a listen. Uh, I even as I say, I even tried to capture the timeline if you want to just go straight there. Uh, but it can. Yeah, I'll just I'm just gonna queue it up here, Kenny, and just see if I grabbed it roughly, and I'll fix this in post, I guess, if it's completely wrong. But you can tell me after I play it for a bit here. For- Yeah, I see what you mean. It's that it's kind of you can see a, a taste of where Edge is going to go later on, in, even yeah. in, as a guitar player. In the use of repetition, in like looping a sound or whatever, but to and then increasing the emotion of it each time with an extra note or something each time he plays it or whatever the case may be. And um, yeah, it's a very cool. I I was going to say I, I think I, the I, the one thing I for me anyways it often. Um, became it was a song i skipped because i couldn't quite figure it out at the beginning the first bit of the song and i would miss the the last half even like what you're saying kenny like and so I, I was listening to it again in the car or whatever on the way over here and um and just that really loving the last half of it but never i remember as a kid or younger anyways not really getting the first half of it and where it was coming from it sounded a little bit too 80s ish or whatever maybe i don't know um because I was, you know, well, it cool, was a song cool. of the '80s. I'm, I'm yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was a cool '90s kid who was trying to figure out where Pearl Jam fit next to U2, and like, 
why I would listen to the Guns N' Roses and U2. But, um, <laughs> and so, but yeah, definitely that sort of last half of it, like you said, um, is very sort of indicative of where they're headed. Um, so anyway, sorry, I, I interrupted you, Kenny. No, no, I, I guess all I'm saying is, is that I think it's just that kind of live experience. That's that's why I like, you know, I, 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 I love that recording because it's almost like Edge is exhausted and then you kind of go into the chimes at the end and it's kind of nice melancholy and it's kind of, it's almost recovery time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was probably looking at it from a slightly different perspective, but uh, it's fantastic. Just love it. Great, great track. Mm. How about you, Sherry? Any thoughts on well, it, well, that was the one track that came from the band's uh, performance in Boston at the Orpheum Theater. So what I was taken by was, you know, that that was almost a month prior to Red Rocks. Um, that the quality of the recording of other concerts before they even thought through of. Uh, bringing in all of the professional grade equipment for um, uh, Denver surprised me to think that, that they had been uh, uh, recording at that level um, uh, earlier into, into the tour, either for their own personal use or um, I know that WBCN was a major player um, um, uh, certainly in Boston in, in, in bringing live music to the greater Boston audience. So that might have also been part of the reason why you had such a professional grade recording of that particular track. Um, but going on the same lines of what you were just saying, Kenny, about about Edge's guitar, um, thinking back to the Hot Press review that Bill Graham gave, uh, where he said that... Um, this album's also the Edge Orchestra's main feature so far. His execution has been so effortless and his function so accepted that his massive responsibilities are often overlooked. So I think that it's fantastic that that's what strikes you is, is indeed Edge's uh, uh, or the beginning of Edge's orchestra. Yeah, very cool. And it's, yeah, it is like sort of a given these days that U2 has, you know, recordings of every single moment of their concerts you know, Zoo TV onward or whatever, like it's kind of like assumed, but anything before that, it kind of feels like, but yeah, obviously they were doing some stuff as far as recording almost everything, I think. <laughs> yeah. Who, who in their right mind had the foresight to be bootlegging a U2 show back in the late seventies? You know? yeah. <laughs> the fact that we have some of that stuff still boggles the mind. Yeah. And someday the, uh, the when, if and when the vaults ever get, unopened or uh, opened i should say unopened <laughs> that's closed chris uh opened uh to the public in some way uh, i can't imagine the flood of uh of material that's out there anyways that's in their belt so uh moving on is uh next one up is a little ditty called i will follow <laughs> So yeah, we've covered the song itself, obviously on the boy 
uh, episode that we discussed that, and not that we can't repeat some of the <laughs> the ideas there, and we'll sort of overlap a bit with some of that, obviously throughout this episode. But um, yeah, interesting. I, it it just jumps out at me as like such a just like what Kenny was saying, even with Gloria, like just enthusiasm, raw energy, pumped up kind of. <laughs> punkish kind of music but uh sherry i'll let before i steal all your thunder on what the song is about on this album what, what are your thoughts well this is you know the third or fourth live version of i will follow that people have been able to hear up to that point in the career and and what was great about this particular version um um and this was from um germany was you know, the strength of the song hasn't changed. That enthusiasm hasn't changed. And and over almost 40 years, that song still has the same punch as it did back in 80, 81, 82, 83. Um, and to not have that particular song on this type of an album where the idea was to um, uh, put into a time capsule the Boy October War era would have been a huge oversight. So um, um, I was happy to to have it on. Um, and, and for me, I'm actually surprised that I Will Follow didn't lead the, um, the uh, uh, recording. Um, that if they're not going to go with a war track, why would they go with an October track? I would have assumed that I Will Follow would have been the lead off if they weren't going with a war um, uh, uh, song. So Yeah, definitely would be the most, would have been right. I don't know if I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it would have been one of the more commonly known tracks by this point for the band of their tour or their concert anyways to select from. Is, I don't know if that's fair, Kenny. Yeah, no, I think it would have been actually. Yeah. Um, but maybe they felt like it was already been played enough, like you said, it, you know, released a couple of times or whatever, a uh, live single or, or live track. And so, um, but yeah, Kenny, how about you when you hear it or heard it on the this album? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's I will follow. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it is hard to. I mean, you know, it, it's I will follow. I think that's all I can really say. <laughs> See, Kenny, it, you can it, get away with that with your accent. It, it sounds so like. Like Chris, why? That's such a stupid question. It's it's I will. Follow. Like, why would you even bother asking? <laughs> and I'm not even insulted. I'm like, he's right. Like, why would I have even asked? <laughs> well, no, I was. I mean, to be honest, I mean, trying to think about something to say about it is actually really quite hard. Mm-hmm. And I think you actually captured it. And it, it's the theme of that whole album is the energy and the enthusiasm. Um, and I, you know. I think Sherry's absolutely right. It translates all the way through all their live shows. I think they've always had that kind of punch uh, that goes along with it all. I, I, again, and maybe this is because I am a bit of a, a an eighties U two child, and particularly bathed in some of the earlier stuff. I always have at the back of my mind whenever I see them live is this version, uh, and probably I, I'm almost almost willing them to to replicate it. Um, but yeah great track yeah there's a there's a tendency probably among i i sherry's a little bit earlier than me but i'm a Aktang baby sort of zoo tv fan and so i'm always kind of like hoping for the the fat bono voice or whatever to come out and you know some of the zuropa Aktang baby era kind of youtube stuff is kind of the filter almost that i i see them through still and kind of want them to go back to in a way a certain elements or whatever um so yeah it's interesting oh, and- 
and for fans of our particular era where we jumped on the bus, I will follow at that point wasn't necessarily a, a, um, uh, a known commodity. You know, it didn't, return back into the the uh, concert because we didn't have it during the zoo tv tour or the um uh zoropa legs it came back for pop mart and i remember being at sam boyd stadium in las vegas and as soon as i will follow hit it was like oh my god i'm finally hearing this live for the first time even though i had heard it in so many different incarnations through, you know, uh, uh, these types of recordings. But for those who came on the U2 scene in the late 80s, it it, it eluded us for so long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they kind of went through a bit of, a, it went through almost a shunning, as it were, from the like, live set. Like, we're not going to yeah, be a greatest like hits cry. band. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to do those anymore or whatever, you know, not forever, obviously, but uh, at least for the time being anyways, and sort of hid them away a bit as a, found themselves again but yeah i remember that's a good point i remember at pop mart uh, in edmonton for hearing the the i will follow uh live track and yeah being like oh this is that old <laughs> sorry kenny um all right so uh, we'll keep moving thanks for that <laughs> <laughs> the end of uh side one as it were back in the day when you had sides to things uh, was party girl it's a song called party girl There I go, back stuck into the listening to the song and forgetting what the podcast for a moment. <laughs> this was one of those ones for me listening to it that I could not quite figure out what it was. Um, like just I, I remember like not knowing how to reconcile this song with like the I Will Fall, uh, the Pride, you know, again, coming from the forward, working backwards. It just didn't fit with my view of what U2 was and so often would get s- skipped if I'm allowed to. Can I say that on a YouTube podcast? I skipped a track occasionally. <laughs> Um, but uh, like reading a bit about it, you know, it's like one of the most more frequently played B sides in YouTube history, is according to one site, anyways, on Wikipedia, and and, um, and I'm sure Wikipedia. I know that's the, <laughs> it's just what comes up first in the Google search results, Sherry. That's the the problem. But um, but yeah, like uh, and definitely, this is almost a counterpoint. Uh, I remember thinking of um, Edge's guitar work because it kind of the solo on this one is a little bit goofy. Um, and I could never tell if it was like an intentional mistake or a goofy mistake, like just a having fun uh, solo issue. <laughs> that it were- they recorded the song in 40 minutes. They were running out of time and needed a B-side for the um, celebration okay. single. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's really one of those throwaway tracks that that unless you followed the band very closely and had access to a celebration single, you would never have heard this song. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it, it, its full title is Trash Trampoline and the Party and Girl. Party. Yeah. So what happened right. to Trash and 
trampoline. I have no idea. But actually, you know what, um, Chris, you were just saying about the the guitar bit in there. Um, I, I, personally, I think again, <laughs> I think actually the it's really enhanced on this album versus the the, the version that's on uh, a celebration because it does sound like it was recorded in forty minutes. Um, it, for me, it's a bit of a well, it's a bit trashy, really. Actually, to be honest, um, but good fun, and I think they they, they play it. If I'm right, Sherry. It's almost like a wee bit like when Bono used to take out the champagne if he thought it was a good show. Um, it's kind of almost saved a wee bit for those sort of um, special moments, or if they think they've had a great show. And, and yeah. rumor has it is that some of the the rumor has it some of the um, the lyrics relate to a certain Adam Clayton. Ooh. No, it it certainly uh, was a staple in the band's live set from 83 through about 87. Then it took a wee bit of a break. It, it popped out uh, three times on the Love Town tour, uh, once on the Zoo TV um, 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 indoor leg. Uh, let's see here. One, two, three times on the Zeropa leg. Uh, four times on Elevation Tour, a little bit more on the um, uh, on the Vertigo Tour, um, and then just just a couple times off of uh, 360, and uh, three times on the um, uh, Innocence and Experience. So um, they certainly save it for a very special occasion yeah. nowadays. Yeah, it's funny. It's it just all like uh, I, I think Kenny, you mentioned sort of like a, a fun celebration kind of you know uh, atmosphere or whatever to the song. And that's I think again the filter through which you view you too. I was coming at it from like this is the serious band who's you know doesn't smile in their videos anymore, and they're just like you know the Actong era kind of band getting rid of the heart on their sleeve and uh, <laughs> almost and that kind of era. And and this song kind of just did not jive. It felt like a a uh, different band almost that was having fun on stage and not that yeah anyways there's all sorts of interesting angles to way to approach that but um yeah so. i kind of equate party girl with wild honey oh yeah it's Ooh. got it's got a similar um lightness about it yeah and even recording yeah quality or whatever not like wild honey's definitely production value is higher probably but uh just a similar different instrumentation style and and things like that that uh the rest of the band or albums don't have on them so um flipping the record over to uh side two at this point while your record starts scratching and bumping at the end of the the record or your uh cassette tape uh be kind please rewind (laughs) we get uh sunday bloody sunday there's been a lot of talk about this next song maybe maybe too much talk this song is not a rebel song This song is Sunday, Bloody Sunday. All right. Um, yeah, the uh, it goes without saying. Obviously, a fairly important song in U2's <laughs> library, very well known. Um, 
and uh, very pl- well played, obviously quite a bit. And uh, wouldn't we would we won't go into all the details of it. Obviously, we talked a bit about it again on a previous episode, um, but definitely hearing it uh, on this album and uh, sort of in, again in the flow of things was kind of like this is the classic U two to me. Um, and, and a bit of, even though it's a darker subject, um, definitely the enthusiasm Larry's kicking, like the, um, having the fans sort of shout in recognition to a, just a simple drum beat, uh, kicking off a song obviously is like, is, was just kind of exciting. And you knew, even if you didn't know the song, you knew this is an important song in U2's library of music. And as a potential fan or as a fan at the time was, uh, just, yeah, great to hear. Um, Once again, this was a track that was recorded at that August 20th show in Germany. Um, But for me, because the Red Rocks video uh, was played so often on MTV for Saturday Bloody Sunday, you know, that that was, you know, almost the the official music video for that particular track. Um, um, I still equate it to the Denver performance, even though that's not the performance that's right. <laughs> that's on the actual album. Yeah, that's totally it. I can totally picture that and think of it as being at Red Rocks too. That's interesting. Kenny, how about you? When you like, obviously knowing, uh, being f- very familiar with the song, obviously, and, and then hearing it on this as part of the live collection, what were your thoughts? It, it, interestingly enough, I sound the same as Sherry. I, um, uh, this song, uh, this song makes me think of the video, um, uh, very much so. Simply because, well, the, the, on this album, this song for me is all about Bono's T-shirt. Um, I think it's, <laughs> I think, I think it, I think it was the, the shirt coolest, we all wanted, right? <laughs> absolutely, I think it was the coolest um, tour T-shirt they've probably done. Well, that's maybe not fair, but certainly, uh, I mean, it's pretty iconic in my mind. Apart from the fact Bonner cut off his sleeves and all that jazz, uh, but just that whole kind of uh, the the whole war stage up. They had the flags, um, they had uh, the album cover behind Larry, um, and that's where that song always takes me to. So I, I think I'm exactly the same as Sherry, albeit the fact it was recorded elsewhere. That for me is the song. Um, that, that directs you towards uh, the video or the DVD, uh, as you would call it. Um, and it's definitely all about T-shirts. <laughs> That's awesome. I hadn't I had never thought of that connection point, but I can totally see how uh, a young Kenny would... Uh... <laughs> With my mullet. Yeah. <laughs> my mullet haircut. <laughs> Between that and the black and red stripe, or rather plaid shirt that... Um, Edge was wearing. Actually, you know, yeah. it, it's it, you can't uh, separate the visual from the audio on that particular track in this era. Yeah, I'm looking at an image of just the, on a Google image search of YouTube Live Red Rocks, and it's from behind, like uh, I'm guessing on stage or whatever, of uh, Edge and Bono out on, a bit on the extension of the stage or whatever. I was going to say B stage, B stage, but not quite then. <laughs> but um, and they lowercase B stage. Yeah, they both look like. Nothing like what a rock star would look like uh, even today. I guess maybe a bit of the shoegazer band going on, but more like dad rock kind of thing almost, uh, if anything. <laughs> the plaid uh, that Edge is wearing properly tucked in um, doesn't quite scream rock and roll these days, but uh, definitely. Is- the electrical tape belt 
that Bono had does scream out rock and roll, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's uh, some fun looks through U2's history, that's for sure. <laughs> no getting away from that one. All right, moving on. Uh, Electrico. All right, uh, uh, you both wanted this one, so I'm going <laughs> to throw it to Sherry first this time. <laughs> this track, it the live version far surpasses the recorded version. And for me, I connected with the rage in a way that I had never connected with U2 before. Um, and for me, that that particular song is the standout of the entire album. Um, and the fact that it's buried on side B, <laughs> you know, I guess if you only have a 34-minute album, you're going to need to make a few you know, decisions about the, uh, about the track listing. Um, but for this particular track as well, it's the track that got the band into the most amount of trouble. Um, to the point where they had to reissue, um, the recordings because the original recording still had the snippet of Stephen Sondheim's, um, send in the clowns, even though he had, change the word from clown to crowd, um, where they had to pay upwards of a $50,000 uh, penalty for not having licensing and royalty permission um, to put it onto their album. So if you happen to have a Under Blood Red Sky vinyl that has the full version of this album, you've got something that's worth a lot of money because that's a very rare collectible. Um, um, that's so, good because I do. <laughs> there you go. I didn't really, I, I, insure I it, Kenny. Insure it. All oh, right, I definitely will do. Because it is actually it's really weird listening to the 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 obviously the, the reissued version because it you, you, I always wait for them to kick into that bit, but it just kind of ticks along, obviously. But uh, yeah, I've got that. That shows my age now. <laughs> shows my age. It might not be worth fifty thousand dollars yet. I guess to oh. back to you two for covering <laughs> the licensing fees, but. Uh, there's very few of them in existence. Um, probably a few more than the original U2-3 vinyl, but um, um, it is among one of the top U2 rarities for sure. There you go. How about for you, Kenny, hearing this, this song? Um, I, you know, I think, I think Sherry kind of summed it up pretty well. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of like, I, I think how they've actually chosen a lot of the songs actually for, uh, for the album um, apart from maybe Trash Trampoline where they kind of let you draw breath a wee bit um, you know it, it, it's driving it's it's fast I, I agree I think it's you know it's better than the, the recorded version um, you know I love it just the way I love the rest of the album um, just because I, I I actually quite like Bono's vocals on this whole piece I think you were talking earlier on about Chris you know when he 
gets a wee bit older and the voice changes. Uh, and I quite like some of the sort of shouty, screamy stuff that he did uh, in those days. Mm. Uh, and I think that actually probably added to the effect of the performance. But it's a great song, and obviously you get the you get the bonus of having the cry piece at the beginning um, uh, uh, as well, and having it captured alongside the, the overall live song. So great track. Yeah, and it's. Um is this not the one uh, I'm I'm rusty on my YouTube history here, so forgive me if I'm. But like where Bono would sort of roam the stage a bit more, climbing things and yes, <laughs> stuff as this well. This is the one where everybody yelled at him to not yeah. do it anymore <laughs> for safety mm-hmm. reasons, right? Okay, right. And uh, and what does I, I'm trying to remember what if we covered this? Like for me, the I, I'm sorry if you're you're tired of me going back to this trope, I guess of of how I viewed it. But often, even just the name of the song was a like a weird like I was like, why is it called the Electrico? That's like the thing in Monopoly that you don't want. <laughs> it's annoying, <laughs> annoying property to get on Monopoly or something. Like, what's the significance of the name or whatever? And it was kind of silly, you know, in hindsight, obviously, just kind of like getting a little mental hook in in my brain about just the title of the song and, instead of just enjoying the song, obviously. And and now, like when I do listen to it and am listening to it, it's like totally feel the energy and excitement and, and just that riff of just a high energy riff of opening the, the song with that um, definitely <laughs> gets me over any issue of monopoly money <laughs> as it were so um, but yeah all right moving on to uh, next track is uh, another small little song you to history that you may not have heard of called New Year's Day <laughs> as much as I want to keep listening um, <laughs> the uh, again we covered a bit of the discussion of the song on on the war episode but um, including it here uh, feels like an obvious choice anyways like a, a very popular song and if it wasn't if you weren't familiar with it for whatever reason um, having the live version just in, increases the enjoyment of the song I think like we've is often something we've said about you two songs uh, how the live versions often just help you love the the um, the album track even that much more and um no question like one of adam clayton's top five if not the top kind of baseline contributions to u2's uh archives uh, albums and music and stuff but uh i don't know any what do you guys think of the song as a as, a, as both included on the album and, and sort of how it sounded in, in to your ears I, I, you know um i think i mentioned that at the beginning uh this song, I think, established um, certainly any concerts I ever go to whenever they play this. I can always hear the crowd around me at the beginning when Bono does his wail. Um, at the beginning, everybody kind of goes there. Uh, and I actually remember going to see them in Glasgow Barrowlands and the Unforgettable Fire Tour. And uh, Bono didn't even manage to open his mouth. And you know, the crowd just sung that back to him because it was just not that really that long off the back of Under a Blood Red Sky. Um, and I think that just helps cement that. I mean, it was a great track anyway. Um, uh, but again, just how they, they transform the studio song to the live version, 
Um, and it was just another great example of, of how they do it so, so well. And, and then Bono putting his extra extra bit of heart and soul into it just to kind of kick it off. Um, and, and, you know, even in later tours when I've seen him, you can almost see the crowd a wee bit disappointed because he to- kind of toned it down a bit uh, on later outings. Um, but, um, oh, I mean, immense. And, and as you say, uh, Adam's bass at the beginning is fantastic. So great song, Magic. Yeah, and as I think I said on the war episode is as much as i it's like a song you know and you've heard so much and you kind of think of as being maybe tired of and you know okay i can i don't whatever i'm bored of hearing it or something like that um even once you start listening to it, it's impossible at least for me anyway so possible to just stop because it's like it's still such a it draws you in it pulls you into the performance in the in the song um in a way that a lot of other songs that i've listened to way too much and you know get tired of or whatever don't have that staying power and that ability to sort of pull you back in and just the energy that they've performed it with because i know i've I'm sure I remember my friend who I, who introduced me to you two was like a huge New Year's Day fan and probably played it 16,000 times in my high school career or whatever. And uh, and so it's definitely been in, locked in my brain for a long time. But um, how about you, Sherry? Any sort of recollections of it as, as you heard? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a song that the the uh, uh, European audience embraced immediately. And it's one that the American audience um, was uh, um slow to embrace but once we've embraced it it's it's got that uh um that evergreenness where you know when it's performed live along with um sunday bloody sunday the entire audience roars with it but back in 83 it didn't have that same kind of resonance so it's no surprise that the version that made it onto the album was the one from germany yeah, it's interesting, sort of, you know, if they had, for whatever reason, had just included straight from Red Rocks what the crowd sounds might have been or whatever, how that could have even changed things, you know, for the song, like you said, with in North America versus Europe and stuff like that. And no doubt, still a good song. Like, <laughs> it doesn't, it's not going to change, but uh, just, yeah, the enthusiasm that you hear back from the crowd kind of tells you that you should be enthusiastic about the song, even if you weren't before you started listening. So, um, all right, well, it's time to end the podcast, so we must end with 40. Uh, <laughs> So here we go. Sing this with me, this is 40. All right, just put your hand in the air if you were actually, if you got chills still listening to that, even though you've heard it many, many times, like I did, that's okay. It's okay to admit that. Hands in the air, hands in the air. <laughs> even on the compressed MP3 version that you're listening to somewhere out in the world <laughs> as you listen to this podcast later. But um, actually, <laughs> tweet me <laughs> some sort of like hands in the air thing. Uh, I, Chris, on Twitter, I'm curious if, if you're willing to respond that way. Uh, just because uh or or chills maybe hashtag chills <laughs> just for fun i know we have there's lots of youtube songs that probably do that for youtube fans but um that's one for me anyway sherry why don't you lead us off on 40 yeah this is uh, uh the one track that has a lot of history um at red rocks with the whole story about how um um the tour manager dennis sheehan had uh 
had gotten the crowd singing the refrain, how long to sing this song towards the end of it to get that audience um, uh, participation in it. But by the time of the, uh, of the tour moving over to Europe, it, it certainly sounded like they didn't need Dennis's uh, um, encouragement to sing it back. So when you've got the audio of the, um, um, of the song released almost uh, uh, nine months before the video comes out, um, you're already programmed to, to think, you know, to sing along at the end, that it's something that, that all the audiences must have done with this particular track. But, um, but to have it have the starting point of that sing back happen um, at at Red Rocks, um, it 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 puts it all into a different perspective. Um, and being a fan who who started going to concerts back in '92, where Forty wasn't necessarily part of the um, of the uh, um, set list. You know, we were already programmed. You sing how long um, at the end of that song? Because up to that point, you know, throughout the Joshua Tree tour, as the bootlegs started circulating amongst fans, you know, you would hear Forty and everybody singing along to it. Um, um, so I kind of feel like people were already programmed because of of this particular um, live album to sing along. Um, but but that sort of revisionist history because um, that wasn't really the case at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that the those some somewhat self created mythologies, but also yeah, fan influenced. Obviously, it's kind of a play play back and forth with the, between the band and the audience as to what is going to catch on, obviously, and then what they themselves as the band decides to sort of amplify back out to the wider community as a thing we do almost a call and response type thing. And so um, how about you, Kenny, hearing this song both like way back then and <laughs> now? I know. Well, yeah, probably way back then you probably didn't quite realize what it was going to come to be um, actually. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a song that um, certainly all the shows I went to, uh, there was a lot of uh, response back from the crowd. Um, when your Glasgow crowds tend to be kind of any opportunity for a sing along, they kind of you know, they'll, they'll go for it. But um, so, but I always remember. Uh, I mean, it was very different for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's obviously well documented about Edge and uh, and Adam swapping, but um, it it it, um, it on the kind of that whole kind of concept of the tour, it just fitted so well in terms of that kind of. You know, you know, I was talking about earlier on, it's like, you know, you're kind of running at 100 miles an hour and then there's a kind of gradual sort of, ah, as you sort of kind of, sort of almost ease yourself out of the, out of the process. Um, I think it's a fantastic strong song. You know, there's no accident. It was the last song, albeit the fact it's, it, in those days it was on side two. Um, you know, um, and I, for one, whenever they do play their last show, uh, hope that that's the song that they close with. Because I think it just sums up them quite nicely. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, <laughs> well. No, no more discussion of U 2s last song. Uh, <laughs> for it's now, true. Yeah. We've, got, we've got enough chills <laughs> and uh, good spirits going on. We don't need to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that should be a. It probably should be a podcast game at this point too. Is uh, anytime somebody 
Matt especially, I think, is guilty of it, bringing up when U2 is going to f- play their last song. No, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a it's a great song to to end the the uh, concert video or concert uh, sort of documentation of the concert. I guess I was going to say um, experience, and uh, and well, I'm glad and the way and happy with the way it has become a thing that they do over the years too. Just as a like you said, it, it's a whether you're into like we talked about in previous episodes, whether you're attracted to the spiritual side of of what you two gets into and obviously this is a fairly heavy one that way if you want it to be it can also just be a great way to sort of like the <laughs> the cigarette after the end of the concert as it were terrible analogy but um <laughs> glad you said that i'm glad you said that somebody like me has to put their foot in their mouth at some point um and uh yeah as a way to send out the concerts uh send off the concert uh, when it's finished so um yeah. It's also the bookend with it starting with Gloria, you know, and ending with 40. And mm. the U2 mass was in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, on that note, we need to end our con- our podcast. I was going to say our concert. It's not, we're not quite there <laughs> yet. <laughs> uh, and uh, we will uh, be sure to uh, be sure to tune in next next time. We're going to re- be discussing the Unforgettable Fire. Obviously, is the next album in the discog- discography. I always mispronounce that word. Um, if you're listening live and want to listen to this episode later, you can find it at goodstuff.fm/atu2/thirty-eight. Or if you want to find out links to things we discussed and stuff like that uh, along the way, you can, uh, like I said, goodstuff.fm slash ATU2 slash 38. Um, that's probably the number one question I get from folks is where to find, you always talk about the show notes and links and stuff. Where do I find them? So that's where you can go um, to find those. You can follow the at U2 crew on Twitter at ATU2 and facebook.com slash ATU2com. And uh, while Sherry answers her phone, uh, Kenny, where can folks find you on Twitter? <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm at Sing No More, which is all one word. Uh, and you can also find me on the forum if you uh, come and visit there. Uh, and likewise, I'm going to Dublin uh, along with some of, well, actually, I think the entire Europe uh, at U2 staff. So Aaron, Carol, and Donald, and myself, I don't think, oh, and Lisa as well, sorry. Uh, I think we're all going there as well. So if anybody's along there, I'll catch you along there. Awesome. Yeah, look forward to that. And Sherry, how about you? Where can folks find you on Twitter if they? Well, you can reach me at my home number, which I keep forwarding to my cell phone, and for whatever reason, it's not forwarding. So um, I wish it was an unknown caller, but that's a whole other album yeah. discussion down the line. Uh, um, well, yeah, thank you. I worked hard on that one. Uh, <laughs> you can reach me at at you two come Sherry on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry about the phone, guys. That's no, okay. That's the fun of a live podcast, too. That's no big deal. Um, and I'm iChris on Twitter. I don't have a phone ringing in the background, so there's no cues for me. I don't have entrance music like Sherry has, as it were. Um, and uh, is there anything else I'm supposed to mention? I think that's it for this episode. Uh, of course, visit at u2.com for news about uh, Cleveland. I'm sure between now and the next recording, we'll have more to tell you about. And uh, so don't wait for the podcast episode. Hopefully this isn't the only place you're getting your U2 news from. But if it is, we'll have more for you next time. But uh, be sure to check out at u2.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. And <laughs> Sherry will have a... I'm throwing my phone up at this point. <laughs> New phone next time we record. Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Bye.